Hello and welcome to the latest EnvCast episode. EnvCast is the Society for the Environment podcast, bringing you environmental professionals in conversation each month. I am Emma, the Chief Exec of Society for the Environment. Our podcast is designed to provide insight into the lives of registered environmental professionals, featuring experts from across a wide range of sectors and disciplines. We explore what they do, why they do it, how they got to where they are, and their future ambitions. Each guest is registered with us as a Chartered Environmentalist, Registered Environmental Practitioner, or Registered Environmental Technician via one of our professional body partners, known as our licensed members. As such, they have been externally verified to confirm they are committed to good practice in their environmental work. To learn more about the Society of the Environment, our environmental registrations and our licensed members, please visit socem.org.uk. So I'm really pleased today to welcome Dan Redding to our podcast. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hi there. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Emma. So, Dan, um, can you start us off just by telling us a little bit about you and the job that you do? Sure. So um, I work at World Sailing, which is an international sports federation. So it's uh, a not-for-profit. And I normally tell people it's a bit like FIFA, but it, it, it's responsible for everything that's on the water that uses wind. So um, sailing in terms of windsurfing, big boat sailing, small boat sailing, kiteboarding, um, and also actually uh, model boat racing. Um, so I'm head of sustainability there and I've been at World Sailing for about four years now. That sounds really interesting. So um, just tell us a little bit about what's expected from you in your in your day job. Yeah, so, well, first of all, we, we have a kind of an overarching sustainability strategy that encompasses, so, so actually World Sailing in terms of a, an organisation, it's got um, within its scope, I suppose, it has 146 national authorities, so 146 countries where there's um, a sailing organisation that forms our membership, as well as class associations. So we kind of represent 70 million sailors worldwide and um, from you know young, old, lots of different types of boats. So we, a few years ago now, we, we looked and sort of thought, well, what are our um, sustainability uh, kind of what's what's possible what, what can we do in terms of our um, our governance what can we do in terms of specifications education and um, really had a look at all of the different areas so we have a mandate now for 56 different targets to um, work against the sustainable development goals so we try to work um, towards 12 of those uh, so it's everything from circular economy what boats are made out of gender equality in terms of participation um, eliminating single-use plastics that actually is a, a really really hot topic so i mean it is generally but certainly for people on the water that can see it firsthand um, and everything in between so uh, the day job i guess is um spinning a few of those plates and and trying to uh to, to work on those yeah that sounds like a lot of plates um so what about the kind of the background what, what kind of qualifications and experience did you need to get the role that you've got now yeah so um i guess well starting off from uh, a young age, um, had an interest in, in the environment and um, then studied environmental science, geography, um, carried that through to, to university and then um, worked for, uh, actually my first job was uh, a local authority because um, my dissertation was all about pro-environmental behaviour uh, and it was then waste recycling. Then actually got uh, offered a job 
at the national, so the Royal Yachting Association, the National Association, which is funded by the Environment Agency. Um, and then, so I worked there for about 10 years um, and that kind of grew in terms of its scope. So it started off with, um, I guess, kind of uh, hazardous waste management, recycling and, and those kind of things into a much broader um, role. And then, yeah, moved into uh, the role of um, head sustainability at, at World Sailing. So do a lot of, well, previously lots of audits, ISO um, management system implementation. Um, I've worked across different sports uh, as a consultant as well. But um, yeah, kind of a few um, paths led me to, to where I am now, but I uh, feel very lucky to have ended up here. Yeah, sounds like a really interesting background and a great job to have as well. So tell us a little bit about some of the challenges that you face. There's, yeah, there's lots of challenges. Uh, I think, first of all, I guess the biggest challenge is, you know, sailing is a sport. Everybody just sort of assumes, well, you know, you're just you're harnessing the power of nature. So it's green. So, you know, what exactly do you do? There can't be much that you need to do. But when you start looking in detail, I guess, about all of the kind of the value chain and um, just the where we operate sort of globally and the um, uh, biodiversity impacts and uh, materials and, and the list kind of goes on and on. Um, there's there's lots of, I think, opportunities. Um, so that's something that is still hugely exciting and motivates me. Um, and that can be applied to, to lots of different sports. But I think the challenges are, first of all, I guess there's industry side and then there's individual kind of, it's generally people's hobby. You know, apart from professional sailors um so actually trying to influence people in their downtime um is i wouldn't say a challenge but um you've, you've got people that have been participating doing something the same way for i'm sure lots of people listening to this will have the same challenges in different workplaces and, and environments about trying to change the way that people do things if they've been doing it the same way for 20 30 years I mean, obviously, um, that broad public awareness of environmental impact has grown massively in recent years, uh, plastics, climate change, and there's now a really big focus on oceans as well. Is that helping? Is that kind of um, making people more aware of the issues? I think so. I mean, um, and also, I guess one of the other challenges is that we um, speak to an inter a very international audience. So whereas where you have some um, countries that have, well, first of all, you know, you almost can't watch the news without there being some kind of link to if it's about climate change or some, some of the issues in the UK. But in other countries, you know, there's nothing... Uh, particularly on the curriculum and um, there's a not not as much of a um, high awareness so that's something that, that that's a challenge but yeah I definitely think that um, when I mentioned about plastic pollution for me that I kind of refer to it sometimes as the gateway drug so with a lot of certainly for sailors as I mentioned yeah I think it's like it must be something like 99.9% .9 of sailors don't I mean who wants to see plastic where you're um sailing at the high performance end it can if you get a plastic bag which goes over your rudder then that can end your race effectively and you know there was worries about that happening in rio uh, in the olympics there and you know you've, you've got these kind of uh, olympic athletes talking about plastic pollution in the context of uh, performance but then actually a lot of them are really passionate about it and you almost can't go to an international sailing regatta now without there being beach cleans and um, associated activity. It's really 
something that's uh, a hot topic. So then you kind of use that, as I mentioned, as a gateway drug, and then talk about all the other issues because it kind of captures their interest. And then um, we can talk about climate change, circular economy and, and, and other things. Yeah, that's really interesting. I guess there's been some really powerful documentaries of, of people um, out on, on all kinds of water sports kind of showing that kind of plastic pollution that's in the ocean. Uh, so that's really interesting. Tell, tell us about a kind of a recent project or a recent area that you've been working on. Uh, well, one of the um, projects that we, so as I mentioned um, about industry, marine industry, um, the recreational marine sector is is valued at, well, turnover, I think about 100 billion a year. So it's pretty, pretty big. Um, and then actually what we can try and do or have been doing through um, when we regulate the sport is try and shift that industry to be more sustainable because um, compared to the automotive sector, where actually there's quite a lot of regulations, end of life vehicles regulations and emissions and things like that, it's actually lacking a bit in the uh, in the marine. So we were first of all doing a big carbon footprinting exercise. Um, we found that actually support boats. So if you look at something like the Olympics, for example, you'll see or lots of um, sailors on a boat. But actually, what you don't normally see is a coach who's on a, um, a boat with an engine, uh, a rib. So we kind of identified what actually that accounts for a lot of our emissions um, for the for the petrol used in those. So we did a joint initiative with Paris 2024. So it's the next, um, well, Tokyo, and then it should be the next Olympics. Um, and challenging the marine industry to shift away from combustion engines and look at um, electrification and also possibly hydrogen. So... So, and, and to put things into perspective, the, the boats used at the high performance level must account for kind of 0.01% of um, those types of boats sold. But the manufacturers see that if they can invest in the R&D, that boats that are bought for the rest of the 99%, we can try and influence that through sport. Um, so that's really interesting. And, and actually, we've seen some really good uh, products being developed because of that. Um, there's already a charging infrastructure in the marine sector. So when you have marinas and, and things, so we don't necessarily have to worry about that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's been a really kind of interesting project. And uh, I've, I've certainly learned a lot um, from, from trying to develop it. Yeah, that does sound really interesting. As you say, the kind of knock-on benefits down the, right down to the, the hobby end of the spectrum, um, I'm sure uh, will be vast. So, yeah, that does sound really interesting. So you've talked about lots of areas from kind of environmental impact assessments and, and carbon and plastics. Tell us about the difference you think that you make in your role. That's a, a very good question. I mean, I, I suppose where we have our 56 targets and we look at um, the implementation of those, that's effectively, well, I hope, you know, it's just, it's just me and the sustainability team. <clears throat> but um, I try and, of, like everybody else, uh, use as many people around me in the different departments to, to help. Um, but effectively, that's the kind of the, the blueprint for what we're delivering. And we've got some projects about educating um, uh, children, uh, so from 6 to 12, in 14 different languages. We're kind of getting, you know, 100,000 kids through that program, and that teaches them from uh, what some of the topics I just mentioned, so biodiversity and, um, and and everything in between. So that I think is you, it's more of a, the education piece. So um, we can start to educate the kids who are growing up in the sport. But then I, <clears throat> I guess when we have actual 
like hard stats about carbon reductions and, and, and things like that. There's a number of things that we've done within the organization to, to reduce those and, and also single-use plastic. So we have all the stats that um, they're kind of actions that, that have taken place um, and not so, I, I guess, sort of soft achievements as the, the education piece. Yes, it's interesting you talk about kind of education and those uh, those youngsters, because my next question for you was actually about um, you at that age. Wh- where, what was the first kind of realisation about the environment that you had? What was the thing that really triggered you into then moving on to geography and environmental sciences from there? Um, well, I think, and I mentioned um, b- b- before we recorded this, my wife's a teacher. So I think actually having good teachers um so that i had for geography and environmental science that's something that i can i can remember well but um i mean for me i was always a kid kind of growing up being spending a lot of time outdoors so i i guess it was always an interest but then in terms of sort of milestones um before university uh, i took part in a conservation project um which was about diving started to learn a little bit more about I, i suppose the mechanisms of um protecting certain uh certain areas and well this was marine protected areas so that i think kind of gave me a bit of an insight then went on to university and, and then i guess the rest is sort of history but um yeah i think uh just i, I think as well like people through um outdoor activity so whether that be for me it wasn't sailing actually but um just spending out, uh, time outdoors that's a that's a really interesting it's a very common answer that we get from people is about just that time outdoors with nature um mm. and that's one of the things that the the pandemic has reminded everybody as well of the benefits of outside as well so um you're a chartered environmentalist with us and we're very kind of proud to have you what what um how important is it for you to be recognized as an environmental professional yeah it's very important i think because certainly right now there's there's lots of short courses to you know you get a certificate saying um uh sustainability expert or, or something after a week-long course so i think it's important to have the differentiation to be recognized through peers um that you you have the experience um and I, i've had it a number a number of times when um i've had to stand up in front or you know present to um business marine businesses uh, regularly uh, sailing yacht clubs um, and occasionally I have people who say, you know, well, what are your qualifications in this? Because sometimes if, I mean, different pitches, different people, but some occasionally, you know, when I'm talking about let's all try and change the way we're behaving, sometimes people straight away kind of get um, uh, uh, defensive. And then it's, you know, what qualifications have you got? And then actually to say, well, you know, a chartered um, environmentalist is, is something that, that resonates and teaching as well on um, a chartered marine and manager course where I do environmental training within that course is also um, good to have that you know chartered status. Yeah excellent excellent so what would you say to other people who are thinking about a career um, in the environmental profession as broad as that is? Yeah well um, first thing go for it uh, and we, we do we do quite a bit with um, universities actually so um, as a way of getting research in a number of areas, uh, but also we have uh, a few interns. Um, so it's something that I think, well, I certainly, and I'm sure others will have seen this far more interest than when I was at university. Um, and then I suppose converting that into working within the sector. So I think my, my advice is always to, to, to kind of um, 
try to start off with a, I guess, a broad approach and then to try and find your niche. Um, and, and different people have maybe different suggestions on that because I guess you could carve a niche in environmental management systems, for example. But I think I've certainly carved a niche for um, sport and sustainability and applying it in that, in that way. Um, and I found that to be pretty, uh, pretty beneficial. I mean, that, that sounds great. And I'm sure the people that you've been helping through their sailing will then take that back into other parts of their life as well and that kind of impact rolls on from there so uh, yes and I echo it there's masses of opportunities out there um, for the environmental profession and they're just growing all the time so it's, it's a great career for people to get into so um, what's next for you? Um, well hopefully Tokyo uh, Olympics but you know there's a few a few question marks there so I guess it's it's chipping away at all of the different um targets that we have I, i'm also um co-chair of the united nations sports for um uh, sports for climate action framework so we have a number of signatories um ranging in size of organizations so everything from olympic games to um liverpool football club and you know everyone in between so that's kind of a really strategic piece about trying to to get all of collectively and it's international collectively all of these sports entities to start firstly producing their own carbon emissions um, their supply chain their sponsors and fans and as soon as you kind of um account for all of those groups that they can influence that's pretty big um and that's yeah that's quite a lot of people (laughs) yeah i mean the olympics i think gets like 2.5 billion people watching and and so i think that's the the power of sport and um there's a good um analogy in the us where they're saying that when we're talking about um climate change in in particular they they reference something like 15 percent of the population would uh regularly read scientific journals whereas 70 percent around that um regularly follow sports so in some ways it's a really good um mechanism to engage i think there's obviously a balance um because you've got the people that follow sport as an entertainment um kind of uh business or property then you've got the people that participate but um yeah i think that's there's still a lot of work um to go but i think there's definitely um that uh kind of possibility to to engage more people about environmental issues through sport yeah it certainly sounds like heading in the, the right direction as well so one last question um if you're world leader for a day what would be the first thing that you would do if i was world leader for a day yeah that's uh that's a very good question well i think it would depend where um which country it was um to 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 look at policy and and, uh what's what's um what's there and i think it's really interesting looking at especially starting to get involved with kind of different un um organizations about seeing the kind of the 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 politics behind getting pledges signed so at the moment one of the things we're working on is the 30 by 30 so to try and get um, we're looking at specifically with oceans, so trying to get um, at the Convention of Biological Diversity to get everybody to sign up to, to um, pledge essentially to, to, to designate 30% of the world's oceans by 2030. So if I was a world leader for the day, um, a true world leader, I'd, I'd certainly um, start signing up to a few of those uh, initiatives, I think. That's great. Dan, that's brilliant. Thank you ever so much. It's been really interesting speaking to you. And uh, good luck with Tokyo and whatever comes next. Great. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. If you're curious to hear more about Chartered Environmentalists, 
registered environmental practitioner and registered environmental technicians, please take a look at our How to Become and Why Become recorded webinars on our website, socm.org.uk, or you can find them on our YouTube channel, Society for the Environment, where you will also find a variety of topical environmental webinar series and various different insights from registrants. You can also follow us on Twitter at SOCEM underscore HQ to keep up to date with all of the Society's latest news. We will release a new episode on the first Wednesday of each month. So if you're interested in our future podcasts, please subscribe to hear more from us. You can subscribe and review through a variety of platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify and CastBox. Thank you for listening or watching on YouTube. We look forward to the next episode next month.